Hi, welcome to Building a Business That Lasts. My name is Jay Owen, and I'm your host. On a quest towards stories, tips, and ideas that will help you grow a business without being stressed out, worn out, and ready to quit. Each week, I'll interview other business owners who have successfully grown businesses of all types for many years. It's my hope that these conversations will help you build a business that lasts. Have you ever struggled getting your scheduling right with other people, trying to see if it's Tuesday or Thursday or 10 o'clock or 1 o'clock, and and just trying to get it all sorted out and making sure that nothing gets lost in between? That can be one of the craziest parts of business. And then building a piece of software to make that happen and growing that software for over a decade is a tall task. But that is what my guest on this episode has done. His name is Gavin Zuklinski, and he is the founder of Acuity Scheduling. They've been around for over 10 years. They've helped over 50,000 businesses of all sizes uh, grow their business by using scheduling tools that help them automate and manage their appointments online, allowing their clients to schedule themselves. Really cool tool, really cool conversation. And if you are you know, kind of struggling with how you handle your schedule or you're curious how somebody could grow a software business online for over 10 years and still be successful, you don't want to miss this interview with Gavin. Hey, real quick, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about a special offer on my brand new book, Building a Business That Lasts, just like the podcast title. It just came out and you can grab a free copy today All you've got to do is cover the cost of shipping and handling. I can't wait to get this in your hands. Go online right now and grab your copy. Just go to getjaysbook.com. That's getjaysbook.com, and you can get your free copy um, sent right out to you. So go check it out, and without any further ado, here is today's episode. Hey, Gavin, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me on here. So uh, you have a really cool story about how you uh, started the software Acuity uh, scheduling that you run now many years ago. And I'd love for you to just kind of take our readers back, kind of jump on the time machine. And um, why did you start it in the first place? Obviously, things have changed a lot since then. But I'd like to kind of hear that intro story for you as an entrepreneur. What was your life like before you started it? Why did you start it? And what does that story look like? Oh, yeah, totally. You're getting me to go way back there. So this was around 2006. My mom is a massage therapist and I saw her. We were riding in the car together uh, on Route 80 in Pennsylvania, which is a pretty road, but gets really boring after a while. with just forests and trees on both sides of you. And we were talking about her business and especially how she was dealing with um, uh, her customers too. And while we were on the road, she got a couple of calls from people just wanting to schedule appointments and reschedule their appointments and having to deal with like all of their long excuses and everything else. And as we were talking, we were realizing it's not a quality time for her to spend chatting with her customers just about appointments. So that's where Acuity was born out of, creating a way for her my mom to uh, offer and manage appointments online. And it started out as her, I think we went live sometime in like uh, summer 2006, when I emailed a bunch of folks. Um, And it just sort of grew organically from there. Uh, I had another job at the time I was working with the, the government, and I absolutely loved it. So Acuity started out as a side project on, you know, evenings and weekends and everything else, building it out as sort of another creative outlet. And I actually had a web development uh, business at the time, too. And I was hoping to use this to, you know, generate leads um, into there. And that completely failed. But the (laughs) product itself um, really took off and ended up growing organically until around 
2013, it got to be, I had a day job that I absolutely loved and it got to be too big that I had to really make the choice between the day job that I loved and acuity and go full time with acuity. And now it's grown from, uh, just my mom to about, you know, almost a hundred thousand different businesses using us, um, to manage their online appointment scheduling. Um, and we have, uh, you know, from just myself as a side project to now, um, uh, almost 40 people working on it too. So it has completely changed over time. Wow, that's an awesome story. And there's a lot of stuff I'd like to kind of unpack there that I think is interesting um, for our listeners. The first is you you had kind of a gold nugget there when you were talking about your mom um, and her kind of not using her wise time wisely, or at least to the best benefit of her value. And I think that's a huge thing for business owners, especially is is figuring out what are the things during the day that I really have to do that only I can do versus something that anybody could do, or in this case, a piece of software could do. <laughs> so talk about that a little bit and, and how that can affect like just business in general of, of using things that uh, using your time wisely, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So with her after after a while, then we started chatting about other things that she was doing um, that were just a little bit wastes of time and repetitive. Like, for example, whenever she would have new uh, patients come into the office, she would have them fill out, you know, the personal history, um, medical history, and everything else. Um, and then that's where intake forms and acuity were born out of, which was just a way to have her clients, in addition to booking their appointments in advance, be able to fill out all of their history and everything else. And she could ask whatever questions she want, so that, that way they don't waste time in the office and they come up uh, prepared. And uh, that type of thing is something that I, I really value. Um, coming from you know, watching her and trying to identify those things is actually a whole lot easier as an outsider, you know, and a technical person to identify. I actually find it a lot harder inside of the business, you know, when I'm doing things my day to day, you know, you get into routines and things get really repetitive. Um, and identifying those, you know, time wasting things is something that's a lot harder to do personally than it is as an outsider. So we really value that a lot in a company in the company and coming from it being just me, um, and trying to, you know, scale up the company as much as possible with it just me, I wanted it to be something that I could like love and, and grow with for years to come. So being profitable was extremely important. And I didn't want to burn through money on wasted, silly wasted things, and especially my time, which is even more valuable. Um, so from the very beginning, trying to identify those things in my own company was really important and really hard to do once I started scaling up to multiple employees. For example, in, in customer support, we had this a lot where we'd have Customer support was fantastic, really nice and personal, would answer a lot of questions from people. But then it turned out they were answering a lot of the same questions over and over again. Um, and once we found out about it, it was really easy to automate. Um, but it took a while. It took until uh, my main customer support person ended up taking off for a week and I ended up taking over for part of that. And um, having you know a fresh outside perspective on it made me realize I was like, oh my gosh, we're getting so many emails from like customers of businesses wanting to convert their accounts over to be like businesses themselves. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's such an easy thing for support to do. Completely wrote, like very easy, very quick. Um, but in aggregate, it took up a lot of time. Each individual instance was pretty quick. And then so we started automating that away. And then since then, got processes in place where we regularly talk about those types of repetitive things and have like a lot more streamlined feedback. Because uh, you're right, it's can get difficult and can take, take up a couple of time. 
Yeah, I love that. I actually have a chapter in the book that I just released called Automate or Die. <laughs> and and that kind of relates <laughs> to that of like if you're there's so many things that business owners do day in, day out and and that their team do that if they could just automate them, I mean they could just free up so much time. And even stuff like payroll and taxes and there's so much of those kind of like back office things now that there's tools out there that'll just do it for you. So people tell me like well, I'm spending time doing this, this, and this, and I'm like, why are you spending time on that? Like there's tools for that. Automate that stuff. Oh yeah. For me personally, it's trying to like I'm much more willing to automate things that I don't enjoy doing. And you're right, taxes and that type of stuff. Whew, that's like the first thing I want to get off my plate. So yeah, like we use a service called JustWorks. So all of our uh, employees work remotely too. So when it can, comes down to like payroll taxes and everything else, that's a huge pain in the butt having to deal with all of the different states. Um, so th- I am so glad there are services out there right now to deal with that stuff for me. Ironically, not to get on a side tax tangent because everybody will fall asleep and turn it off, but we actually just switched to JustWorks in June and have been really happy with it. We used another service before that, which was called Gusto. Loved them, but JustWorks uh-huh. just had better benefit options with the PEO and everything else. So interesting that you use that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've been with them for a long time. They went through a rough patch, but are a bit better now. <laughs> That's good. Uh, one thing I want to rewind on, because y- you mentioned two things earlier that I thought were really interesting and I wrote down. One of them was that you loved the job that you were in um, when you started Acuity. Now, you started it for your mom, but what those things that you that you also, in- the other jobs you also enjoyed doing, mm-hmm. was it just a matter of there's only so many hours in the day? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I absolutely, absolutely loved my day job with the government. It was doing some extremely technical work and the day to day on that job was just something so unique that I could never get anywhere else. Um, but Acuity was also really unique and it was a, like more of a different sort of creative outlet to do, um, think about things, do product development, interact directly with customers, completely opposite from my day job with the government. Um, so I really liked that balance that it gave me. Um, so I tried to grow Acuity as long as I possibly could without you know, leaving that day job, I really wanted to do both. But then it eventually came down to where I was, I was living in Maryland at the time. And, you know, um, I would come out to my car in the heat, the summer, have my iPhone totally overheated, wouldn't turn on by the time I got it to like cool down by holding this scalding hot phone up to the AC in my (laughs) car, I would see that I'd have like 100 emails from people um, with support issues, or like when the website went down, and I didn't realize all day, And then I would spend hours at night working on that. And that was really stuff that wasn't that, you know, useful or enjoyable to me. And I knew that I had to make uh, a decision about something. So I I originally tried to hire a customer support person just to deal with those types of issues and like um, call me at work on my desk line or, or, or somehow. And, um, that actually didn't work out too, because they were poorly trained and you really like, if you're hiring somebody, you really got to be there to support them and being gone all day wasn't helping at all. So yeah, it came down to the choice of, um, I knew one of those things were, was going to languish. I either had to leave that day job that I absolutely loved, or I'd have to be content just letting acuity, um, sort of stagnate and slowly die. And I really didn't want that to happen. That's a tough choice, but it's just interesting because I think a lot of the times you hear stories about people hating what they did and trying to start this other thing on the side. And, and you kind of had the conflict of you know, wanting to keep the software growing, but also loving your jobs is kind of interesting. The other thing that you said earlier, which I thought was interesting, and, and clarify if I'm wrong, but I think you said you didn't actually go full time with Acuity until 2013. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's right. And that was because I loved my day job so right. much. So when I went full time in 2013, um, Acuity was very profitable. I think we were doing like around 20,000 a month in revenue and it was really just me at that time. Um, so it was like I was in a pretty comfortable position to to leave it. Um, I mean, it wasn't wasn't very big, but it was like comfortable enough and, and within my wheelhouse to do completely on my own too. So what's interesting about that to me is that, you know, that is... I mean, six years plus from when you mm-hmm. actually started the software originally. And I think that there's just this perception out there, especially in the world that we live in, where everything has to happen overnight and everything has to happen today. And if it's not, you know, if it's not done by Friday, it's the end of the world. And and I, it's just interesting to me, even in a, in a product like yours, where it's a, a software as a service, you know, a high growth industry right now. And and yet, you know, you kind of had six years before you said, hey, you know what, I'm going to actually make this my 100% full time, you know, all I'm going to do kind of thing. And I like love that because it's just this reminder to people out there that are listening that things like good things don't all come overnight. They take a lot of time sometimes. Yeah. And I absolutely loved it. Like, because I had a day job that I loved, um, when I did end up leaving it, I wanted Acuity to be in a place where I could be happy in my day, every single day. Um, I wanted it to be profitable. I was more doing it as, you know, a creative outlet and uh, the business was profitable and growing throughout that time. Um, But it wasn't, you know, growing, you know, aggressively um, like it did after 2013. And it's a bit of an advantage too, because during that time, there were so many people emailing in and I was talking with people and really understanding all of the different parts of the business, um, understanding the customer support, understanding who our users were and learning that it was way more than, you know, just my mom, a massage therapist, um, a lot more than I imagined. So by the time I did take it in uh, 2013 to be full time, I there's sort of an advantage when you're doing it part time, you have days to stew on things and ruminate about ideas uh, before it, my fingers touched the keyboard and it turned into features or anything else. So by the time I was actively working on Acuity when it was a part-time prior to 2013, my time was spent very efficiently. After that, I had entire days that were empty. Um, and working on the right things is a really you know important thing to do. So having waited a while to jump into having it be full-time meant that I had a lot of understanding of who our customers were, and we had a lot of data and a lot of things that I really had to work on too, so that when I had my days free to do whatever I wanted, it was all valuable time spent. Yeah, I think that's super helpful. I mean, good data, patience, the ability to take on kind of overall company profitability and how that mindset has helped you kind of grow in. Oh, man, yeah, that is like such a frustration of mine right now when we see companies like because we've been around for a while, I've and then completely disappear. Um, and that will happen, you know, over like a three to five year cycle, but it's happened a couple times now. And it's almost frustrating to see an idea, they get millions in VC funding. And then I don't know, they just, they just disappear, they end up developing the wrong things, or they get bought out, and the service just um, disappears. And I I went into this, you know, wanting to enjoy my job every day. Um, and that means not, you know, for me, it's really stressful if I'm going to be like living paycheck to paycheck or, uh, you know, as a company, you know, payroll to payroll payouts. So being profitable is 
not just, you know, something necessary for the sustainability of a business over the long term, but having, you know, very comfortable margins is something to make sure that I can be happy every day and not pulling my hair out. And, you know, I can properly sleep through the night and not get frantic about other things, too. And so for us internally, um, it turns out one of the biggest things that, you know, businesses waste money on is like payroll. Um, And, I'm, I I don't know. I don't like doing management so much. So it's a lot easier for me to try to push off hiring people. And I really enjoy doing a lot of um, a technical kind of guy. So I've been able to hold off for a while hiring um, more developers or anything else, um, just because I was able to handle that for a while on my own. Um, so that's one big way that we were able to be profitable. And the other two was that sort of that slow start with learning and really perfecting the product uh, meant by the time that I was um, trying to scale up and grow it a lot more, the product was already really good. And so we ended up getting a lot of just word of mouth referrals and didn't have to devote a lot to advertising or anything else. My uncle always says, uh, everything's funny when you're making money. I don't know exactly what that means, <laughs> but I, but I I, like you kind of get the gist of it of, you know, you, you have the time to kind of take a little breather and not have to make knee jerk reactions that usually are bad reactions. Um, when you have a little bit more margin and you have a little bit more money, I think that idea of, of being patient about when you're going to hire and who you're going to hire and all that. Cause when you start growing a team, I mean, it's a totally different ball game from when you were a one man solo shop, writing all the stuff yourself and, and doing everything yourself to now you've got two people, five people, 10 people, 20 people. So let's talk about that a little bit. Cause that's a, always a sore spot for a lot of business owners is hiring, uh, hiring, firing, working with a team, developing culture, all those things. So when you first started building a team and from, you know, good and, and bad ways to hire people. <laughs> Whew, we could probably just I do know. an episode just on that. <laughs> That's probably true. Uh, but yeah, so um, I sort of, I, I mentioned it before, but I, I left a job that I really loved for my day job. So I wanted to keep acuity as something that I absolutely loved. Um, so part of how I structured the company was to make sure when I was with the government, I didn't get to travel as much. So I really wanted to travel a bit more And I went and lived in Paris for a month. And I want to be able to, you know, keep working and running the company at that time. Um, so because of that, we ended up doing a remote team. Um, and a lot of those things about how the company turned out is really due to that decision of, you know, going remote first. Um, and I'm so happy about that. Um, at the very beginning, we ended up hiring for personality, which was absolutely critical. We wanted people that we could really gel with, even if it was just over chatting through Slack and people that we could really trust. The second, too, was because I personally don't like managing people. I wanted people that, you know, didn't need to be micromanaged as much. Um, and also people that were that valued eliminating a lot of that repetition, which when you do that, you end up getting people who are, are hopefully a little bit smarter and a little bit more motivated um, and willing to take a little bit more ownership of fantastic type of personality needed in a remote company too. Um, so when we hired for most of our positions, uh, we're looking a whole lot less at technical skills and experience and any, anything else and much, much, much more at personality and motivation and um uh and just you know smarts uh when it comes to what we need for the job awesome i think those are huge uh advice tips i think that hiring for personality is a big deal i think a lot of times people over and somebody needs i mean granted people need a certain you know baseline um the structure and just how you communicate is wildly different like um now i i don't talk to you know all every 
person, you know, every single day like I used to. Um, so that type of thing changes. The product, especially being in a technical area, changes rapidly too. We're constantly making updates and things that were um, one way two years ago are completely different now. Um, so at the beginning, we made some uh, with hiring and especially inside of the company too of just not emphasizing enough that, you know, change is one of these constant things that's always going to happen, you know, be comfortable with it. And, you know, trying to, you know, coddle folks a little too bit too much when it comes to change and, and apologizing for moving too quickly, which we really shouldn't have done. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, change is going to come. And if you don't agree with that, you're probably going to be out of business in five years. And um, <laughs> it's just the nature yeah. of it. I'd love to hear a little bit more thoughts on the remote work concept, because, you know, this is a, a, a popular topic right now. Companies seem to be either constantly shifting from from remote work to fixed locations or vice versa. Um, my company, we actually were remote for 16 years, 16 plus years. And then we just recently moved uh, two years ago, three years ago into a physical space. And, and, I say remote, but most of our team uh-huh. was still in, generally in the same geographic area, except for some book bites cover, but people still do. And I don't know. It's just easier to sell a $100,000 deal in a really nice office than it is to sell it uh, over a Starbucks table, I guess. But but that's, right. it's, just, it's just the nature of the work that we're doing now versus what we were doing. I think if I was building software, I would be 100% remote. There's no question about it. But I'm curious for you, like some of the things that, that you've learned that have helped you move into that remote world. But there are people that work really well in that state and others that don't. And there are tools that kind of help make that easier. So I'd love to hear from you on on how you've kind of improved that over time and made it work for your team. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. Like all of our customers, you know, our highest priced plan is 50 bucks and we have tens of thousands of customers. So we're not, people do judge you based off of whether you have an office and, you know, whether you're based in New York City or, I don't know, like Idaho somewhere. And people really judge companies based off of the number of employees, which getting back to profitability is totally the wrong way. So I'm so glad that we don't have sales teams or or have to do sales like that. Um, Yeah, instead, it started out as just something where I wanted to have a lot more flexibility for myself. And um, it turns out hiring for folks remotely, um, because we wanted um the type of personality that we were looking for the type of person who is like a little bit more self-motivated is just a better employee for us whether they were in the office but it also turns out that they're um great outside and also the best people for us aren't you know living within 25 miles from us right. um, they're all around the world so um we started out just doing remote you know for the flexibility and using um slack and things for chatting we do um video meetings every day started with google hangouts now use zoom and all of those things have been really good to you know still get people talking together you we have to be a lot more conscious about forcing everybody to meet Otherwise, it's, you know, you don't have those casual type of meetings like you have in an office where you're uh, running around in the kitchen making lunch and chatting with somebody. So those types of things have to be forced. But it's been fantastic as the company has grown and uh, scaled up a bit. I've been so thankful that we're remote because we can find the best people all around the world. And we're in the process of expanding our customer support to be nearly 24 hours a day. Um, And when we did that, we didn't have to, you know, ask somebody in New York to all of a sudden work like the like 8pm to 4am shift. 
we just looked for people who were living in Hawaii and Australia, and they can work totally normal hours during their day. Um, and we can still stay together as a company too, chatting with them, doing video meetings too. We can record things really easily so that they can still stay uh, in touch with the things that are happening throughout the rest of the day. And just, I don't know, I've been, yeah, I've been so happy with that as we've grown where it's been something that was for me personally at the very beginning, but now I would never, ever go back from that. It's allowed us so much more flexibility and increased the size of the talent pool um, and really gotten us a lot of people who also might otherwise not have looked at a small company like ours um, just because they really wanted that flexible remotely coming from jobs that are like havesy remote jobs um, kind of sounds like yours leaned a little bit more towards that where everybody was in the same physical area meet up a little bit more often you'd probably be a little bit more hesitant to hire somebody in alaska um, and people who are coming from those types of jobs view the type of remote work that Acuity does as something completely different where they can uh, just go to Bali for a couple months um, like one of our employees did. Um, and we really don't care that they do that at all. We're totally happy with that. Yeah, I love that idea. I mean, I think the reality of people, even with our team, even though we have a physical location now and, and the most of our team is here, except for some of our development contractors are on the other side of the world. We've grown, especially on our support team, we've had to do and like enforce a little bit more rigid, um, which I personally didn't like as much. But, you know, you just it's a necessary thing to make sure like your customers right. are well supported. Um, but yeah, most of it, like we have unlimited time off and everything else too. And it's really just like, we have some guidelines, like make sure you give us enough notice about everything. Um, but the idea is like, if somebody actually needs that like micromanaging of their time and, you know, having to see them and look over their shoulder and everything else, they're totally not the right person. Exactly. I mean, we're not, we're not running, you know, a, um, a small fast food restaurant or something, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, I love, I love, and not everybody can run their businesses, I think in mm -hmm. some instances, but I think there's a lot of these principles that can be applied to just about any business. And there are exceptions where you do have to have people staffed at certain times of the day, or there's certain types of work that can only be done at certain times of day. And, and that's, that's a real thing. And I, I don't want to discount people who are in those industries, but, um, at the same time, I think finding ways to treat people like people and ultimately treat people the way you'd want to be treated as a team is kind of number one to building a good team. That's what's worked really well for me. Yeah, yeah. And actually, when I'm talking about doing stricter schedules, what we ended up doing instead of micromanaging individuals is um, separated out so that we have four teams of people for customer support with like eight hour coverage of different periods. Um, and then the team is like four to five people. Um, and then they just figure out their own hours between themselves of whatever they want to work to give themselves a lot more flexibility. Um, that way we can make sure that we have coverage over a period, but they can do whatever they want. And we're really lucky too to find the type of person that's that right personality uh, because we're hiring remote and we have such a wide area that we can hire from. Uh, whenever we do a job posting, we normally have to shut it off after a couple of days because within a day or two, we get thousands of wow. applicants and it's just way too much to go through. But because of that, we get, you know, tons of people who probably not the right fit, but mm -hmm. also tons of people who are absolutely perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. Th those are some great things to think about for folks that are listening. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I like to transition a little bit at this point in the conversation because I like to hear from people. They're 
there's a, a culture that we live in right now. It's kind of the hustle culture. And if you're not working 100 hours a week, then uh, you're not really in business for people who act like that. And there's other people <laughs> who operate on the opposite scale of that, of kind of the like Tim Ferriss mentality of, uh, you know, four hour work week, even though I highly doubt he ever works just four hours in a week. Um, <laughs> and, and so I'm curious where you kind of land on that scale. Are you the kind of person who just loves to work all the time? Do you like to create breaks for yourself and your schedule and your life? What does your life look like as that entrepreneur? or a business owner? Oh, man. And it's funny you say that about Tim Ferriss, too, because somebody who's writing those types of books and everything <laughs> else, like, you're naturally motivated. Like, right. I I, pro- I could not work four hours in a week because I would probably get too bored. Right. And like, I find whenever I have too much free time, I ended up starting up other projects that suck up all of my time. <laughs> uh, so, but no, uh, about two years ago, uh, my wife and I had a son on the way and I realized that I had to get my days under control. I was working, you know, sometimes uh, never too crazy, um, but I would work like 12 hours a day or I'd work on weekends and everything else. And it was really because I enjoyed doing it and I really wanted to get things done. And about two years ago, I was way more strict. And now I am very strict on myself to try to work only eight hour days. And that way I can spend time with my family and everything else. So there's so such important parts for that balance. Um, when my son was born too, I ended up taking a month off for paternity leave. Um, and that was probably one of the like those best experiences to step away from the job and completely changed um, my perspective on acuity changed how um, I decided to grow and organize the company and, you know, what things I really cared about being involved in taking that step back. Um, so since then, every so often, I've tried to take a lot of time off from work too, um, just to think about things. That's how I am. Thankfully, I, I most of the time I always joke I in, I love my job like eighty seven percent of the time, and <laughs> you know the other part you just have to get through because you got to do some of those days. But I think that your perspective is really good. Of one of the things I always say is that you know people have different seasons of life, and and there are seasons. You know, when I started and wasn't married and didn't have kids. I mean, I'd work all the time because I enjoyed it. It wasn't like a burden. It was something I actually liked to do. Like I liked to learn how to new, do new stuff. I liked to learn how to build websites and write code and do all these different kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. But now I have five kids. So, you know, I can't, Ooh, I can't operate. It is a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't operate on that kind of schedule where I'm working, you know, 80 hours a week and also be a good husband and also be a good father. So you have to kind of see where you're at in your own season. And I think it's great that you took that time, you know, when you had your son to take that month off because, just stepping back a little bit sometimes does give you a f- fresh perspective. And a lot of people, I think they just kind of get caught in their own hamster wheel, even if even if they are running their own business. And, and sometimes it's good to step off the hamster wheel for a little bit and kind of look at things and go, hey, you know, how can we build a better ship? Or, or maybe what we're doing is great, you know? Yeah. And especially when uh, what we were talking about before at the very beginning about automating things, when you're re- yeah, when you're just in that hamster wheel going rapidly on things and expanding your number of hours to try to accomplish those things, it's much harder to identify those things that are truly valuable to your business and truly valuable to like um, generating, you know, revenue and everything else. Um, but when you step back and you take time off, you take at least a week off or more off those things are much more obvious when you get back there that you start thinking like, wow, this is really a waste of time. Like, was I really spending 10 hours a week on this task? Um, And hopefully you can figure out ways to automate it or sometimes just eliminate it. Or for myself, we ended up hiring people to try to do some of those things that I found not valuable too. 
Yeah, I think that that's a huge piece of advice for anybody that's listening right now. You need to be willing to give yourself the permission to step back. And it's easy to feel like I can't afford to do that or I don't have the time to do that. But I think that the truth of that is that many times you you can't afford not to do that because all businesses need those, you know, breaks to all business owners need those breaks to kind of Mm -hmm. think through things and figure out where the next thing is, because you might be missing something really big because you're so caught in that daily whirlwind. And it's completely a health check for the business, too, because if you're running a good business, it should be able to go on smoothly without you. So if you really can't step away, figure out what those things are and, you know, try to figure out a way to get around them. Um, so every time that I've had to take some time off, too, the business has gotten just a little bit better out of like necessity and like the silly little things like accounts that only I had access to that you don't realize until you take that time off. Yep. I think that's huge. A lot of people don't realize where they're kind of the gridlock even in the business. And, and that's the same thing's happened for me is I'll step away. Someone will go, hey, you were gone for a week or two and, and I, we didn't have access to this or this. And I'm like, okay, well, somebody else needs access to that. <laughs> you know, I can't be the sole key holder to, to just about anything. And and I that's something I've had to learn kind of slowly, but it's been really helpful uh, for my me and my business as well. So we're running out of time, unfortunately. I feel like we could talk all day, which is great. I always enjoy these kind of conversations. The the last two things I like to wrap up with, uh, one is on your own personal growth. How do you keep learning? How do you keep growing? Because you've got to pour into a lot of other people being somebody who runs a company. But how do you personally kind of uh, keep your cup full, if you will? And then the last thing I I always like to just kind of ask, is there anything we've missed? Anything you'd like to share with our audience that that we haven't already covered? So first one, how do you keep growing and learning? Is it books? Is it podcasts? Is it events? Is it blogs? Like what is it that kind of helps you kind of keep your knowledge where it needs to be? Books and audiobooks for sure. So I've started running a lot more. So audiobooks are absolutely fantastic. And I, I love them for the things that I'd probably get way too bored actually reading. So when I run, I usually listen to biographies and everything else. And then when I'm sitting around in the morning or the evening reading, um, that's when I try to read some books that are, you know, maybe a little bit more on the business side or something completely different, technical or artistic or something else to hopefully, you know, keep me a little bit more well-rounded and interested too. Love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big audiobook fan. I'm a super slow reader in general. So audiobooks are really helpful for me. Oh, yeah. And so last thing, is there anything else that you feel like if you were it's kind of speaking directly to another business owner who's maybe just starting out or they've been in business a few years and they're really kind of struggling with the whirlwind, trying to figure out how do they make this thing last? What's kind of a, a final takeaway or two that that, that you think uh, you might be able to share? Oh, my gosh. For For me personally, the thing that helps Acuity last is understanding that I need to be able to come into work every single day and be happy. You absolutely can't build a business and keep it around for a while um, if you're coming to work unhappy. You might be able to do that for a year or two and sell it, but your your personal happiness is actually so uh, intrinsically tied up with the success of the business too. And because I'm happy with my every day. I'm completely happy and I'm starting to think and I think much more about where Acuity will be in a decade or two to come uh, because I know that, you know, even though we've got plans for the future there, um, that that journey along the way is something that I can enjoy. I love that. That's really helpful. I know uh, you have an awesome piece of software and and we talked about maybe having a special offer that we could share with our guests uh, before we leave. If they are out there struggling with their schedules and looking for some better tools to automate things, what's the best way for them to find uh, that offer from you? 
Yeah, totally. So acuityscheduling.com slash business that lasts on there. I'll set up a a special link to get an extended 45-day trial instead of our normal 14-day one, and then also have my contact information on there if anybody wants to get in touch. Gavin, thank you so much for your insights and thoughts. Uh, This has really been a great conversation. I think it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on here. I hope this episode has given you some ideas or inspiration that will help you grow your business. If you found it helpful and you know somebody else who might benefit from it as well, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take the time to share this with them, maybe on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, or even shoot an email over to a friend uh, with a link to this podcast in it. And if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for our email list at buildingabusinessthatlasts.com.